of a, a three-year-long process. About three years ago, a young man named Corey Hintz came to me after the service and said, hey, I'd like to get together and chat. So let's, I said, let's do it. And so we got together, and he started telling me his story about how God has kind of walked through, walked with him through some brokenness into his life and, and God's work of redemption in him. And we just started talking about this, and he felt kind of a calling to share this with people. And I said, well, maybe God's calling you to preach. He's like, I don't know. I said, let's talk about it. So for the last three years, we've been working, we've been meeting. You've seen him up here with me one other time. He's kind of shared his story. So recently, we were having another conversation, and he just really is feeling God's leading, uh, wanting to be in ministry. And at the same time, Rick had told us that he's ready to lay down his responsibility as our building administrator. Corey's worked in landscaping and done some construction stuff. So I was just like, you know what? Maybe you would be a good fit for that. So we explored that uh, and, and recently brought him on. He's going to start on October 7th and kind of overlap Rick uh, for about the final month or so of, of his employment here. We're so excited that Corey is going to come and share the message today. So Corey, come on up here and uh, would you greet him today, please? I don't, I don't have a baton or a football to hand you, so here. <laughs> I, I can't Thank pick you. it up. Uh, so, uh, but we're just glad that you're here to share with us and Thank eager you, to hear what God's going to say through you. Thank you, brother. <clears throat> we're going to, yeah, that's probably good. <laughs> this this kind of came out on last sermon, so we'll, we'll keep this one handy. Um, as Casey mentioned, I will be succeeding Rick Taylor, who has been here at Chapel Rock for 38 years serving as building administrator. I pray that I may serve as faithfully as he has and, and for as many years as God enables me and in whatever capacity that may be. But God has truly blessed Chapel Rock with many gifted individuals. Even, even the janitor can preach? I mean, what? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, also, I know that in opposition, there it goes. This position, we're just going to go ahead and Let's try that. <clears throat> okay, perfect. Thank you. Uh, I will be needing help in this position. So if you if you have a talent in trade work or any any kind of skill set, indoor outdoor maintenance, uh, please come connect with me, and we can serve together. My wife and I have had the privilege to serve with the young adult ministry for the past two years. That class meets. Sunday mornings from about 9.30 to 10.30, 10.45 a.m. So if you are, if that's you and you're looking to get plugged in, that young adult group, uh, please come and meet Carissa and I after service today. We would, we would love to be able to grow in the Lord with you. Our world is in desperate need of hope. And in the church today, we have hope in Christ. We have the hope of eternal life, but sometimes it's hard to take hold of because of the things that we experience and what we're going through. So that's what we're going to talk about today is hope. Uh, in the book titled Switch by Chip and Dan Heath, the authors mention a woman named Crystal Jones who joined Teach for America in 2003. Crystal Jones was assigned a group of first graders 
who ranged in ability levels. Some of them could recognize certain sight words. Others couldn't even hardly hold a pencil. And in a school that had no kindergarten, uh, these, these students were thrust into first grade with, with little or no ability or knowledge to equip them. Now, Crystal could have uh, implemented strategic and systematic processes to whip them into shape educationally, uh, but she didn't believe that that would really speak their language. She wanted to speak their language. She wanted to light a fire underneath them. So Crystal told the students that by the end of the school year, they would be third graders to first graders. What's cooler than an upperclassman, you know? Uh, so these students, she also told she addressed them as scholars. She quit calling them students and called them scholars. And she also asked the students to address one another as scholars. But what, what Crystal did was she gave the kids a great destination postcard. Many of the students who couldn't even read their ABCs or recite their ABCs by the end of the school year were at a third grade reading level. God has given his church a great destination postcard. So what is that? What is the end goal? What hope has God given to his church that sees beyond our trials? And what does that hope convey to a dying world? Let's pray together. Lord God, uh, we come here this morning. We just ask that you would teach us to number our days. God, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. God, help us and teach us that in view of eternity, uh, the afflictions that we face now are but light and momentary, and that they are achieving for us an eternal glory, God, as your word says, that far outweighs them all. Help us to, to be fixed on that hope and to have the willingness to share that hope with others. In Christ's name, amen. If you guys will turn with me to 1 Peter 1. Verses 3 through 9, that's going to be our text today. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. For those of you that are joining us online, we, we thank you for joining us. If you can come and, and worship with us in the flesh, that would be great. But we, we realize that for some of you, that's, that may not be possible. But if you can take a second in your top right corner of your page, uh, will you fill out the connection card? And that would give us the opportunity to pray with you and for you. First Peter, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. 
Now, we believe that 1 Peter was written sometime between 64, 65 AD to the persecuted church under the rule of Emperor Nero of Rome. And over the next few decades, this persecution would intensify, and we're not going to talk about all the details of that, but there would be many martyrs in the church. But that would also serve to grow the church and, and give the church hope. But, you know, when I, when I read this text, the word persecution doesn't really sit very well with me when I think about what we go through mostly in comparison to Christians in the text or over in third world countries. What we mostly experience is, is more like pushback for our faith. Uh, what I mean is, like at work, I've often been titled crazy or, or brainwashed, and uh, oftentimes in being... Uh, conscious of God in my conversations, I've gotten the response, oh, here we go. Or maybe some of you have experienced that, but, uh, but when, when the same individuals come to you and ask you to pray for them, or that you may be the only one that, that they can trust, uh, opportunities come. Your faith is deep and doors are opened. It's not all pushback, though. Some of the guys that I talk to, they say, yeah, yeah, we, I believe. And others just say, you're crazy, man. Will you pray for me? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll, yeah, absolutely. I'll pray for you. Interesting. But can you imagine the impact that Christians are making in third world countries or even in this text in evangelizing the lost, the hope that they have amidst trial? It's no wonder that the church goes, grows so rapidly in those places. In the face of death, they have a hope that bears witness to everyone that opposes them. As mentioned here in Philippians 1.28, Paul says, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. These Christians, amidst persecution, were fearless, and that was a sign to those who opposed them that, wow, they they're not afraid to die. They have a hope that's beyond death. And, and so, because we don't experience a lot of that here, there are some situations here in the States that, <clears throat> that there have been those who have been persecuted. Um, but, but what is the sign to those in this country, to those of us, uh, to the people around us, that may oppose the truth, but maybe not even oppose the truth, uh, claim to believe the same thing that we do? So because we, we don't experience that sort of persecution mostly, we ought to, as Casey says, often to elevate and utilize our freedoms and sharing the gospel, and, and the, which is the hope that we have with those around us, which is our, our big idea today, is that living with hope opens doors for the gospel. Or better yet, living out hope opens doors for the gospel I mentioned just briefly a second ago that, that there is a problem. <clears throat> Some 80% of, of Americans today claim to be Christian. And I would question statistics, but from what my experience has been, that's, that's pretty accurate. Uh, a lot of guys that I work with, uh, you know, they say, yeah, I believe in God. Yes, I, I believe the same thing you do. And yet there, there needs to be something different, though. There needs to be something that sets true Christians apart from the rest of the world. Christian hip-hop artist who goes by no big deal quotes in a song, I'm trying to free the free world. I probably have a loose screw. 
Do you, do you understand what he's saying there? He's, he's saying, how crazy am I to preach to people in a free country that unless they place their faith in Christ, that they will continue to be enslaved to sin and not be right with God? If you remember a couple weeks ago, Fred spoke about missionaries in Africa and also in Korea coming to the States to evangelize us because they believe we've lost sight of true Christianity. Uh, R.C. Sproul, who is now with the Lord and I believe was unparalleled in biblical teaching, he said and taught that there is a difference between professing the faith and possessing the faith. That in other words, there's a difference between claiming to be a Christian and actually being a follower of Christ. How do we evangelize to those who claim to believe the same thing that we do? It's one of our, I think that's one of our biggest challenges here today. And I believe in the, the answer to that, one of many answers, is that we must be born again into a living hope. There has to be something that sets us apart. Being, being religious is not enough. Jesus said to Nicodemus, who was a Jewish member of the ruling council, that you must be born again. And if any man thought he was right with God, it was Nicodemus. Uh, he, he prayed, he fasted, he tithed. And yet Jesus tells him, you must be born again. But then Jesus points him to future events. He points him to the cross. And it's, it's those who place their faith in Jesus who will be born again. It's, it's the belief in the death and burial and resurrection of Christ. It's not the things that we do that justifies us before God, but faith in Christ alone, which makes us right with God. So, so again, there has to be something that sets us apart from the rest of the world. There has to be evidence that our claims are supported by our lifestyle, that we have a hope that's beyond, that, that we have eternal life indwelling being born again is essential in throwing hope to others. I'm not going to speak about all the byproducts of saving faith today. That's, a, that's another sermon for another time. But if you're interested, I know a guy named John. He's, uh, he's got good material. You can, anybody here can find it. It's actually in your Bibles. It's, it's the book of 1 John. He says, in many, with many sentences, he begins, this is how we know, as if to say, if you want to know that you're truly born again, I'm going to tell you. I will say what being born again is not. It's not, a, it's not a magic prayer in which we recite specific words in order to escape judgment from God, in which we say to ourselves, I can just go live however I want and God will just forgive me. That's, that's actually taking God's grace in vain. But if you look at, me, look at this verse with me in Titus, Chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. It says, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. It's a, it's a changed heart, one of saving faith that can say that. It's not the heart that comes before God saying, Lord, look at all that I've done. 
It's, it's the heart that says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. But God then begins a work in us that he will carry out into completion until Jesus returns as we submit to him, which is our hope when he returns, the hope of eternal life, being with him in his kingdom. So in view of our final reward, faith carries us through our trials, that we are shielded by faith, as we saw in the text. Uh, Being born again means being equipped by God to withstand under trial and be sustained by hope. This is the hope in Christ that's going to stand out, that will stand out in our country. We may not be going through the same challenges that the persecuted Christian goes through, but we do face a number of different trials that are opportunities for our faith to be deepened and hope to be shared. But because the pain that we experience is so real, it's, it's oftentimes hard to take hold of that hope in the midst of trial. I can say with surety, just with, from what I've experienced, that, that God can and will use these situations to bear witness to those around us whether at the time of the trial or in the future. We have no idea the type of fruit that will come forth from the hope that we now have. But the hope that moves beyond our circumstances and is fixed on Christ, that can be a challenge for us to take hold of. So being that this is a a series on, on football, this is the best I got. How do we clutch onto this hope so that it can be thrown to our neighbors who do not know it and desperately need it? I'm going to give three principles that I believe uh, will help us to walk in this. Number one, rely upon God for wisdom. Listen to what Paul says regarding his experience in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 10. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. I believe that we see in this text that God intends for certain struggles, things that we face in this world, to be so far outside the realm of our control that we rely upon him and not our own strength. Um, Casey mentioned, some of you may know uh, the testimony that I have that my wife and I share. Um, I spent time in jail while we were still married um, for for crimes that I committed to to continue uh, supporting a, a drug habit to heroin. And in that place, feeling like I didn't deserve any hope at all. Christ met me there and gave me hope in my trial. You've heard the saying, do the crime, do the time. Uh, I definitely did the time, would have done a lot more time uh, had it not been for the mercy of God. But in not knowing how long I would be away in that trial, any sense of control over my situation was was gone. Uh, Early on, I believe I was thrust into making a decision that that I would either sit in my guilt and shame, which I already felt over my sin, or that I would seek God to vindicate me and give me wisdom, give me hope, and that through faith in Jesus Christ. 
Jesus, excuse me, James says, in speaking of trials, in James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now, I need to clear the air. Uh, I realize that my struggles were a direct result of my sin, and many of yours are, may not be and are not. But I believe that the principle is the same for us, that we cry out to God for his help and we ask him for wisdom, that we may have a right perspective, one of hope. Which leads us to our second principle, which is to believe God. And I, I think that this is really the kicker, uh, whether or not we believe that God is going to provide or whether or not we believe God's promises on the hope of eternal life is gonna determine whether or not we have peace James continues in, in, one, in verses 6 through 8, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. It is, it's, the, it's the trust that God is good, that he is sovereign, that his promises are true, we have to believe that he's already gone before us in whatever we face. He's all-knowing. Everything that we go through is not a surprise to him. This is so hard. We, we can rise and fall in this. It doesn't come easy. We oftentimes need reminded. But I remember when, when this peace became manifest for me when I was in jail. I remember time and time again being either in the courtroom or being in my cell or being in the day room of the jail block or, or really anywhere I went just remember constantly crying out to him uh, for hope and I remember him always being there and always on time being National Hobbit Day today <laughs> one with wisdom once said a wizard is never late nor is he early he arrives precisely when he means to that is uh, a quote from Gandalf the Grey from Lord of the Rings <clears throat> Casey not only poured his, his love and devotion and faith for Jesus into me over the past couple of years, but he also poured his love and devotion for Lord of the Rings into me. And I came to realize that I merely claimed to be a fan of Lord of the Rings. He is the true follower. But that is indeed the sovereignty of God. That's the peace is that we can have is that knowing he is going to provide. It's the peace that... Paul speaks about in the book of Philippians that surpasses all understanding. It's the peace that causes others to say, I don't understand how you could be at peace in a time like this. That's hope. It's the peace that no one can take credit for. We can only give credit to God. It's a peace that keeps our circumstances from controlling us and the knowledge that our hope is set beyond them. Also, this isn't like the fake it till you make it peace. It's not the kind that a person says, I don't want everybody to know what I'm going through, so I'm just going to play the part and act like I'm okay. He gives us a genuine peace in which he, he consoles our weary hearts. He strengthens our, our feeble knees, our uh, feeble arms, our weak knees. It's the peace that we can say, whether God delivers me now or soon or that I may not know complete healing or deliverance until I'm with him. My, my hope is in him alone. To God be the glory. We can say his will be done, not mine. 
It's a, it's a peace that brought my coworker to me, asking me how I could be at peace with everything that was going on around us. It's a peace that in spite of the judgment that I deserved for my sin, that God gave me, ensuring me of his presence. <clears throat> in jail, uh, which is a place that is filled with anxiety and fear, having peace and having hope it really stands out in that place. It's, it's a light to the people that are there. And I believe the same thing is absolutely true of the world that we live in. Not, not having to be in jail, but it's true in our world that, that real peace, real hope is going to stand out. And, and when people take notice, our third principle is to declare. Peter says later in the text that we started to that we started in to the same Christians who were going through this persecution he tells them this he says but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light and Paul says in Colossians 4 5 through 6 be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. From darkness to light, that is the testimony that we have of those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. There's, there's an opportunity, there will be opportunities for you to declare the praises of him, to declare your testimony. I, I just ask that during those times that it would be rich with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not about all that we've got ourselves through. It's all that he has brought us through. It's the hope that we have. That is the evidence that someone is born again. That is the gospel. For if the resurrection did not happen, then our faith is futile as said in Corinthians, but indeed it has because the miracle of new life in Christ is evidence to it that Jesus has been raised and it's also evidence to those around us. So with the grace that we have been shown in grace, share that hope with someone else, invite them to share in the same hope that you have through faith in Jesus Christ. Um, if opportunities don't arise, remember God's deeds because we never know when opportunities will come up for us to share that hope uh, with someone else. So my question today is, the questions is, ha have you been called from darkness to light? And do you have the hope of eternal life residing in you? Is your faith and hope alive? Don't let today pass without surrendering your life to Christ. Because many people are going to say, I'll just make it all up on the back end of life. Uh, I'll have an opportunity to ask God for forgiveness, and, and I'll be able to just make it all up then. But nobody's guaranteed that. Maybe, maybe you're having a hard time seeing hope at all through the struggles that you're now in. Maybe you don't have the desire to share hope with those around you. I've been in that place, and I've had to pray for courage and refining in my faith in order to share and to have that desire again uh, to, to be salt, to be light in a dark world. 
So come today, if that is you, come and let us pray with you.